Hi, I'm Graham Lasso, and you're listening to Eat, Sleep, Chelsea, Repeat with Chris, Craig, and Brady. Welcome to the Eat, Sleep, Chelsea, Repeat pod. The headline this week: the Chelsea roller coaster continues, ravaged by the Wolves one week but heroes against the villains yesterday night. I'm Chris, and as always, I'm joined by my brother Craig and a good friend Brady. Guys, how do we feel? Are we up or are we down? Well, I'm glad we didn't have to uh, listen to Chris's obituary that he'd written for Posh on the uh, on the post-Wolves pod. I'm sure he had prepped. We didn't have time to get the pod out before the, the Villa game. And now uh, a fresh lease of life for him. I was going more with Chelsea ripped apart by Wolves and uh, walking Villa Park, but I think yours was better, to be honest. Um, <laughs> good, isn't it? Yeah, very good, very good. You should, uh, you know, be a stand-up comedian. right for the sun, maybe. Yeah, 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 going right for the sun, like job going. But no, it was, last night was unexpected, I'll be honest. I mean, we were going to, it was doomsday, wasn't it? You know, it was the end of end, end of times and for Chelsea and then, you win a match and then everything's sort of all right and the player takes his shirt off and says he's steady staying and all that and it's absolute vibe. So, yeah, real turnaround. But like like with this team, we need some consistency. But I don't think we're going to get consistency with this team for a while. So it is a real roller coaster that you're just sort of hanging on for dear life, really. Absolutely, yeah. And it, it all started um, against Wolverhampton Wanderers. On a, we on, have, a sun- we have to, <laughs> on a Sunday afternoon, yeah. Uh, we I listened back to the preview pod. There was some. Uh, we were very optimistic. I know, Craig, you were very optimistic. You said people mm. are going to turn up and stuff, and they're not going to let us down. But how do we feel about how we sort of approached the Wolves game and how that played out? Yeah, I mean, I guess I was expecting the sort of uh, energy levels that we actually got against Villa. It took one more defeat to to really get it out of them. But yeah, I I think. Overall, in that game, you, it, very, very disappointing just from our point of view in terms of how we performed in the game. Um, passing, movement, tactical setup in the game was really, really poor. Um, and yeah, I think you've got to give Wolves some credit. I think they came with, uh, you know, okay shape and, and, you know, sat back and looked to counter attack. And really, we, we played into their hands, giving Neto so much space. That's their only real threat in the team. And, and yeah, a really, really disappointing afternoon. I mean, Craig's spoken about it from a tactical angle. I think more from a kind of mental game angle or mentality angle. I think it was very worrying at the time when Potch was saying that, you know, the Wolves equalised with a dodgy goal, you know, a fluke, and then the team sort of crumbled. I mean, the, he alluded to that in the press rather. They couldn't handle conceding to, to Wolves. I mean, that's that's worrying going forward, even though we won last night, obviously. But so hopefully we've kind of eradicated that with the with the win. But... Yeah, it was it was a dark day. Let's be honest. It was it was a day where the fans at home turned. There was a lot more noise around the club. Um, yeah, it was a very very bad afternoon, and not just the result, just yeah, just the uh, the performance around it, and yeah, just really really dark day. Yeah, I think yeah. what Posh me really by that what he said in that post match. I know those comments sort of irked you a bit in our WhatsApp group as well. Was just that the the players don't have the belief in that in that yeah. situation when they go concede two goals and two obviously very unfortunate deflected goals uh, one which wasn't even going anywhere near the goal you know the, the the players in that point previous 
teams of Chelsea would have thought, look, we're doing all right in the game. Time to step up and and, and battle and, and come back second half. But I think what he, what he's alluding to there is that just the the confidence and the age of the, these players, the experiences that that isn't what they think. That, that, you know, it's a struggle from then on. I also think well, obviously we talk about this in the Villa game. He needed to make more changes for that game. I think he should have freshened it up a bit. He could have brought Carney in. I think I think he could have maybe not played Sterling in that game. Um, Obviously, and a big thing about that game as well, and Kunku really struggled in the lone nine. So I have to incorporate that a little bit. But you know, you kind of run out of legs in the game a little bit. But yeah, it was just a, it was just a really poor day. You know, a little, a kind of a microcosm of our season, sort of some really bad luck at times. I mean, you could relate that to the injuries and their goals, and then just some some poor mentality at times, and some kind of some tactical issues, and also some poor finishing. And we had the whole trifecta of the game. It was, it was kind of the Chelsea try for win a game, really. It was just all of it, and it was just all really. So that's it. It's crazy yeah. actually looking back on that game and thinking it's, it's night and day passing wise from yeah. what we saw last night. It's just crazy. Yeah. And Kunku actually had the least amount of touches, well, the fewest amount of touches, I should say, of uh, anyone who started the game, <laughs> including yeah. Petrovic. He so yeah. it was uh, not a good, not a good performance. Mm-hmm. I think it was another example of setting the team up badly defensively. It's almost like he didn't look at how Wolves were going to play and what their strengths were and he yeah. it just played into their hands so so perfectly and I don't think anyone would have expected Wolves to score four goals against us um, before kickoff and it got to the point during the game where it never thought I never thought they were going to stop scoring um, which which was horrible I know a lot of fans left um, before the end as well when the penalty was given and it, it became quite ugly, um, which was which was difficult to to witness. But I think it was always encouraging that they, they obviously they kept trying um, to to do the right thing on the pitch. Uh, there were some some subs, um, which I don't think made a big difference, unfortunately. Um, but I think you yeah, obviously that the reaction to the Villa game was was important. Um, because you know they, they come off the Liverpool game, which was diabolical in terms of performance level, to then go out and it was almost like they had an eye on the Villa game, maybe, and that that was more important to them. Or um, I, don't I don't know. know. I think it was more like they, I mean, we spoke before about you know I I didn't love that you know some fans like Craig said you know Liverpool was a shot to nothing. Even though it was from a betting standpoint, I get that. But when you get slapped up at Anfield, it is going to have a psychological effect, and I think they were still a bit scarred from the game. I think I think. And that's why I would have changed it. I would have brought Carney in. I would have maybe freshened it up a little bit. I know he started in Kunku, but the changes he made didn't really work and he couldn't really freshen it up. And I think there was a little bit of, you know, maybe sometimes we get that, I think with this young team, there's a little, not almost like cockiness, but they're just kind of walking in thinking that we go one nil. I think they went one nil up and they thought, right, here we go. It's going to be like, and we all thought that. When we went one nil up, I thought, right, we're going to win two, three here. Because once we got an early goal, Craig, Craig said in the preview that an early goal would be huge. I think once they, they conceded, I think they were like shell shocked. It was like, almost like they were like punched in the nose, and then they mm. just never they just they just never recovered. And um, yeah, it was a very poor three or four days for the club where we conceded eight goals over that over that time. But more positive news is uh, Chelsea are through to the the next round of the FA Cup, mm-hmm. um, where they'll they'll host Leeds, um, and it was a, a game which I think we can take a lot more positives from. Um, Chelsea ran out 3-1 winners. 
uh, at Villa Park. How do we see this one? Obviously, stark contrast in terms of how the game played out. Yeah, I mean, if we'd done a preview for for this game, I would have been a lot more uh, pessimistic about it. And then also, once I saw the team, I think the team that we put out against Villa was probably the most negative I've been about a team selection all season. I I didn't fancy us at all yesterday before the game. And uh, yeah, I mean, that was just proved to be completely incorrect. We we came out and from minute one, I thought we were we were on it in the game. I thought that obviously a lot is talked about about the midfield yesterday and, uh, you know, sort of repeating what you've heard and I'm sure post-game analysis, but we, we ran the show in midfield yesterday. We really, really did. And the, the instant one-touch passing was really what made the difference, I think, especially in the first half. Villa couldn't get near us. They were really chasing shadows for for a large part of the game, and uh, every time we broke free, it was uh, it was sort of five on four, five on five, six on five. You know, we, yeah. we they they really got disjointed with their um, midfield and their defence, which has happened to us a few times this season, and it looks bad when it does. And and yeah, it looked really really bad for Villa in that first half. I mean, it was a night of surprises, a night of rarities. I think the Chelsea line was replaced by. Um... A unicorn or something. I mean, a Jackson. I mean, a Jackson header. You don't usually see them. Gallagher goal, and then an Enzo shot that finally pinged in. I mean, it was just, it was surreal at times because you get you go in there. Think I think Villa have lost. I'm, I don't know the stat, but I think it was just a few. I think they've lost like two or three times at Emory, with Emory at home in a year. Um, obviously, they had an amazing record where they won 15 on the bounce recently, and they played a full team. And you're thinking, oh, we're going to get. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be very difficult. Um, but Chelsea and Cups, there's something about Chelsea Football Club and Cup competitions. We just bring it out of us. And um, yeah, I, I mean, Liam Tooney broke it down on the Straight Out Com podcast to three elements where Baddy Ashil and Desazi are pushing up high, which I think really helped. And then obviously, we've got the. I mean, something that's been a feature of the game for a while is that, you know, the Palmer and Gallagher pressing. Um, they called it, Liam Tooney called it the two headed monster. I mean, they are a fantastic pressing unit. And Gallagher was allowed to be more a bit more of an inner 10 the pressing 10 which we used earlier in the season and Enzo and Carcedo I mean it sounds stupid but they were just closer together they're just more of a unit less isolated uh Carcedo wasn't left to the wolves that's not a wolves joke but quite literally where he's just all isolated and was a better unit a better functional unit and we just looked like a team much more like a functional team really and that was the difference for me yeah, I think there was a, a better setup for the game. I think we were helped by the way that Villa set up as well, which was ideal. And I think the the connection and the movement of the wing backs, which was so important um, for how we can play with these three midfielders, which you know we talked about, um, mentioned at the beginning of the season. We finally saw that come into fruition. Uh, obviously, the, the a lot of a lot of that help from the Villa giveaways, but I think the pressing was was outstanding. Um, we pressed as like a unit. Um, it was important that we we kept moving the ball quickly and, and getting it forward into the wide areas quicker. And I thought um, Chilwell was a big part of that, and Gusto. And I thought they were they were instrumental in how we sort of moved through the lines really quickly. Um, there's a lot of problems I thought Chelsea, you know, through the season really with how they how they want to keep the ball in midfield and then play it back. And then try and almost go round the round the edge from the defence, and I think we saw a lot better passing ranges from the midfield out into the the forward spaces. And I thought Jackson, Madueke, Chilwell, 
gusto you know that was where the danger was and they couldn't really live with us because a lot of their wing backs they push quite high up um when when they want to move forward you know their game is based on um you know moving forward at quite high pace and we disrupted them really well and i was quite impressed actually defensively i wasn't that impressed but i thought going forward it was actually quite good and, and we got you know we were clinical which was something we haven't seen really um since the Luton game i'd say in the league for an away game yeah, I mean, in terms of, I just want to read out CFC Central um, tweet from X. And if you could follow us at X at EFC Chelsea to support the pod, that'd be great. If we can gain you know, you know a few more hundred followers in the next few weeks, that'd be great. Um, uh, I just want to read your tweet. Enzo, Jackson, Chile, and uh, Nani, Palmer, and Gusto all drop in every time to ensure three uh, versus twos on, on Villa's Y2. If you show us willingness, this commitment every single game, and ta- tactics become a secondary talking point of your performance. Basically, what you're saying is that Jackson and Madueka, they were tracking back and they were, you're saying that the, the wing-backs were high. They were going up and down. We just haven't had that, really. And because Palmer struggled to get back back and forth on the right wing. And just it was just a much more... We just, there were so many times in the game where it was like the kind of pot of, tri- the, you know, the pot of triangles that he was always doing, but we just overloaded them. I've just never seen Chelsea overloading teams for ages. We just looked completely dominant. There was always Chelsea players everywhere. And Villa were just completely blocked off by our four because we play four four two out of possession, and Villa often play through the middle, which helped. So we kind of blocked off their passing lanes a lot. So it was a bit of a I wouldn't say a tactical masterclass, but it was a you know very good from Poch and at a very very um, you know convenient time for him because obviously there's a lot of pressure before the game, and if we lost this game, he would have, he would have been under a lot of pressure. So yeah, a, a kind of defiant performance, but also tactically quite um, you know. Uh, smart. Yeah, I also want to just mention. Obviously, there was a lot of pressure on on Posh, not just from the media, but from our own fan base after the Wolves game. And I think you saw yesterday that the players hadn't given up on him. Because I'm sure he would have mentioned that in his uh, team talk pre-match that you know the the pressure was on them. And if you if they don't go out and perform today, you know they, they're going to lose this coach and coaching staff probably in the next few weeks if if the results don't improve and you know the players put it put it on themselves i know you saw the huddle before the game which we haven't seen um every game i think that might be the first time we've seen that this season i haven't paid attention exactly to to um every second before the game but i I don't think we've seen that and uh, i know chilwell and gallagher um were instrumental in sort of motivating the rest of the team i also thought the celebrations from yesterday's game i always like to watch the celebrations for the goals i think we've seen a few times this season where sort of some half celebrations or you know not what i would call ultimate passion at at the moment of scoring a goal and i thought all three of the goals yesterday were celebrated um in in a manner deserving of a of a of a game that people were well up for and uh yeah I, i just really really enjoyed that that element of uh of the game, and I thought both things were, were definitely worth mentioning. It's really interesting to hear Chilwell come out after the game and say, you know, it's the most confident he's seen the dressing room all season before a match, um, which I think is really interesting because for me, that would suggest that there are people taking, you know, quite a senior leadership role in the dressing room and setting a, a tone and, a, a, and an expectation and, you know, getting everyone in line. Um, so I wonder who that is, you know, maybe, maybe we can kind of. It'll, it'll come to fruition as, as sort of the next games come along. But yeah, I think it's important, you know, peaking at this time in the season, if, if this is what this is. And 
I'm not 100% convinced it is, but... Um, <laughs> I don't think anyone's convinced that this is the start of some incredible run. I don't think it, it, it's not about, you know, the, the issue I, I found, you know, over the last sort of months, really, is the effort. Uh, you know, people can run around, but they're not working as a team. They're not, they're not showing enough unity on the pitch. And you don't need to win games. And no one's expecting us to go to Anfield and, and win three or four nil. But you can go to Anfield and put on a bit, you know, give, give them a game. Yeah. Not not get walked over and yeah. and the game's done. I, see, in about I don't think minutes. that obviously people talk about the Liverpool game. I don't think that I would same be with Wolves of effort in and, either and of I those think, games. I think there was a tactical, more tactical issue. No, I think when you look at the the attacking, there were people yesterday who wanted to score a goal, and that was everyone. And I, I look back at the Middlesbrough away game, for example. Were, were they playing in this sort of in in this sort of fashion in that game? It's chalk and cheese. Um, so it's really good, you know. It's really impressive, but you know. Is it just like the Man City game where we all thought that was going to be a big turning point and 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 then and they got smashed up at Newcastle the next game? So mm. it's it's interesting how it's going to play out. Um, there are well, definitely. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you now, it won't be a turning point because this it can team. Be. Will, well, this team will have bumps in the road. It's you know we're there's going to be there'll be a few more shockers this season. I think. I think. I've got a feeling one of the bumps might be Saturday, seventeenth of February, away to Man City. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm just, I'm just saying. Then I, I haven't seen the home fixtures, but there'll be a home fixture where we have a stinker because that's just that's what you get with young players. I mean, the average age last night was twenty two point eight. Um, that is ridiculous, isn't it? When you when you actually think about, just, they're just breeding consistency. I mean, when players are below twenty five and they're basically all below twenty five, and when Silver's out, that you know, the, the average age is so low, um, and we see that especially with attacking players where. You kind of think, right? Well, this guy, if, if a player's getting onto a game, and then the next, they just go missing for a little bit. So it's not a turning point, you know. Um, I think we have to win the Palace game, especially with Palace's injuries. But we'll talk about that in the preview. But yeah, I'm not saying we're going to go to City and give them, you know, give them hell. But yeah, I mean, we can we can compete much better. We've had to compete better in games. And but the thing about this performance, it was kind of like a for. A, you know, 70, 80 minutes before Villa started putting a bit of like pressure on at the end, maybe we you know, put a foot, we got, we gassed a little bit or, you know, just sat back a little bit, 3 0 up. It was like a full proper performance. There wasn't like big dips. What annoyed me about, you know, you get 10 minutes on, 10 minutes off, 10 minutes on, 10 minutes off. It was a proper performance and we didn't give Villa any breathing room. So, yeah, that's what I want to see a bit, a little bit more. You can't play well for 90 minutes every game, we'll get that, but you can play well for 60, 70 and we need to do that more consistently because if this team play, Against most teams in the league, uh, if we play well 60, 60 70, 70, 75 minutes, we can beat these teams. We just have to find that consistency within games, I think. I don't, I don't agree with that because I think if Chelsea had lost 4-3 to Man City at home and we hadn't got the penalty in the last minute, I think they would have been clapped off. And you know, well, I mean, yeah, are you sure? But I'm just saying. The, but, you, the but you're saying, you know, oh, we shouldn't. You know, we're not going to go to sit and cause chaos. That's exactly what we should do. You know, we need to cause well, chaos. I'm, I'm just saying, if we, if you go to City and you get beat two 0 I mean, but you you know you, you can lose. I mean, I, I just don't want to see zero point zero point two x g in one half. I mean, we're we're better than that. You know, we 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 don't need. A, well, I don't want to go to Man City and see everyone part behind the ball and no, we get well, smashed up. You know, three or four nil, and people sitting there going, "Well, think, that wasn't very good." I don't think Poch is has got that in his system. I think Poch is quite chaotic and coaches tactics. I think he likes the game to be unstable against City. Um, that's what happened in the home match. He wants them to put on the pressure. We definitely won't do that. We won't well, I don't back. think he's installed that in the team because as soon as they go one or two, one like you said, when the Wolves goal goes in, 
suddenly their heads are dropped. They aren't they aren't thinking it doesn't matter. Like we're, we're going to go. You know, we've always got a chance of scoring in a game. Why are they not thinking? I like don't, that? I don't, I, well, I don't think you can instill mentality by telling someone to. Uh... I'm to be saying, strong. I mean, like going to the no, dressing room and be like, right, you, know, you need to change your mentality here. The, the players are, are young players and they're, they're not at this level yet. They need to, they, they're going to react in the way that their personalities react to them. Obviously, he was chatting to uh, Roy Keane after the game, Posh, and he said, you know, we could do with a few more people like you. And that, that's exactly right. I mean, the, I think the, the squad is, in terms of mentality, it, it is lacking in that regard. And I think that's pretty obvious for everyone to see but I think that's almost by design as well you know in terms of the, what they've done with recruitment I think that's that's his job though isn't it Pochettino to get to get that together isn't it certainly yeah and I, I think you've seen him historically do that on a number of occasions I think you see that when he plays as well when he when he played Pochettino he was a mentality monster and uh, yeah I think you know the installation of that into young players does does take time well let's see about the players let's have a look at some temperatures Time to see whose form's on top, who's heating up, whose temperature's dropped, who's been playing well and who's not, it's freezing, warming up, boiling hot. Greg, you have the joy and the privilege of going first. The privilege of going first in Wolves, I mean, it's really tough with Wolves because I thought there were some absolute stinkers individually the performances I, th- I thought tactically against Wolves was really really poor and one of the worst games of the season um, but I think individually as well is up there passing was so poor um, in the game as well but I'm going to put Raheem Sterling in there I thought maybe a little bit harsh so I want to talk about as well him getting booed off uh, as a sub, I thought that was really poor from the fans. It's not not for me at all. But I I do think he was really poor in the game. Um, just not on, in form at all at the moment. I think, you know, a couple of really bad games back to back as well. And obviously, even though he, he's had some okay games recently, he hasn't been contributing in terms of goals and assists. Just, just the one assist against Middlesbrough. And then the last time he scored was Preston, which was at the start of January. So... You know, it's only been a month since he hasn't scored, but it's, uh, it, you know, some in the midst of that is some some pretty average performances. And I think rightly was benched yesterday along with Silver. And uh, I, I don't see a reason to put him back in the team. I quite like Jackson in that left wing position right now. So that's another tricky one for Posh to manage because obviously Sterling is a is a more established figurehead and uh, and an older player. And obviously. Dealing with that is a, is an issue for Posh, but I, I don't see any reason to to switch away from Madueke and Jackson and, and the wings if you're going to structure the team in, in future like this. So yeah, um, it could have been a lot of people, but I'll go with Sterling. Well, it's, it's interesting because obviously it's the Euros this summer as well. He's not been in England squad. If he's not even playing for Chelsea and Jackson's starting ahead of him, he can't get in the Senegal squad. Where does that leave him? You know, mindset wise, that's quite a big call to to not you know not even participating as a starter. I don't think he's Southgate has any intention of selecting Sterling in the England squad, so I don't think he needs to worry about that. I think you know he was absolutely on fire at, at the start of the season, and and he wasn't included in the England squad, so I, d- I don't think I think Southgate's just moved on from him. I think Sterling can sort of park that. I mean, Southgate is probably the worst manager in international football, I'd imagine, in the competition. So I don't think we uh, he needs to worry too much about what he thinks about. ESCR yeah. and Southgate don't get on well, uh, but it's, it's been it's an ESCR exclusive. It, it's been it's been a, it's been a twenty four hours of shocks and surprises, and 
Craig's put Sterling in the freezer. I thought I'd never see that. He's actually nicked my freezer because I have Raheem wow. Sterling. I've had I had Raheem, Raheem Sterling in the freezer from Liverpool. I've actually got some stats about uh, Raheem Sterling. I know Craig, you talked about you know I'm not scoring it well. He hasn't scored in the he hasn't scored in the league for 580 minutes. I mean that's not too bad. I also broke down because he is accused of being a bit of a flat track bully. Let's be honest. Um, in terms of his goals, um, his goals and assists, I want to break that down a little bit this season. Of the uh, ten games he's played versus teams above us this year, he's got in a, a, just over a thousand minutes, a thousand and fifteen minutes. He's got two goals and two assists, so he's only averaging a goal and assist every two hundred fifty minutes, which is not too bad. This is in the league, by the way. Um, he's got five goals, six assists in the league overall, but six of those games came in two games versus Luton and Burnley, and he's got a very good record against uh, promoted clubs. My main issue with Raheem Sterling, I think, in the Liverpool game. Uh, in other games, he's been there and done it. You know, he's got. You know, he's. I think he won three titles of City. He's obviously been very deep. Uh, a Euro final with um, England. Brilliant pro. Very, very good. But I would say very good base as a player. Very, like, you know, look, really good base to fall off in every game. That's why he doesn't usually have like a, you know, a two out of three out of ten game. He's usually if he's poor, he's four out of five. But he's just completely. He's just gone off the boil for me. Um, and he yeah. started. He, he did. He did that interview after Luton. He said, you know, I'm. Raheem Sterling's back. I'm, 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 I'm obsessed with football again. I'm not seeing that anymore. It's kind of going a little bit more like I'm on 300 bags a week, and not that he's kind of just like seen out his contract. But there was a situation where Poch was not dropping him where he needed to be dropped. You do not, you do not want to be comfortable in the team, and he shouldn't be comfortable. None of these wingers should be comfortable with the amount of competition they got. And he was rightly dropped. He shouldn't come back in for Palace because he needs to earn it. And yeah, I just think at the moment he can give more. It's more of a general freezer for me. He could easily be a talisman for us. You look, you look at that West Ham game. I know he lost the game. He was phenomenal that first half. And even mm. he does things like... Um, City the, as well at home. Yeah, and then also the... Yeah, and ever since that game, he seems to have dropped off. But even in the Sheffield United at home game, we, you know, we couldn't break him down. It was nil-nil. He says this like Sonic. Like, and I know Mikel Antonio called him Sonic after that West Ham game because he was so fast. He does this like ridiculous burst of pace, goes past the players, cuts it back to Palmer, one nil done. He's got, he's got it, he's got it in the locker. Don't see it enough. And and on the athletic podcast, um, you know, talking about the Pochettino project. I mean, obviously in that height of kind of doom before the Villa game, they were talking about you know, I call it X opportunity, where there's so many instances where this analyst to watch Chelsea where we, it's not recorded on the XG, but it's poor decision-making in the final third. Raheem Sterling is one of the worst culprits for that. Some of his decision-making, especially when it comes to dribbling, is not good. He just dribbles into players. He just dribbles into players with his head down. It's not good enough. It needs to be better. It needs to be a talisman. And look, he, he'll tick over. If he, plays 30, if he plays 38 games, he'll get probably 20 uh, G slash A. And that's fair enough, but he could be better and... It's just disappointing because he really could have been, well, he still could be. I think he could have been like, you know, the star player for us. But it just hasn't, it doesn't really work out like that. He has some flows and he's hot and cold and, yeah, disappointing. So I think, I think it's a, I think it's a freezer's correct, personally. Yeah, sorry for Sterling. I don't think it's all his fault. I think he's playing. I don't think the, the, t- the way the team is set up. Yeah, like you, I don't think when you dribble into someone with your head down. No, but, no, no. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. That's, that's not ideal. That's nothing to do with the team. That's just to do with individual decision making. Yeah, look, and look, we yeah. we put a lot of money into Sterling. Yeah. I, I didn't really think it was a good pickup, and he's supposed to be like you know the talisman. You know, we talk about oh, we've got loads of young players. Well, he's not young. He's supposed to be one of the most experienced people, and 
Um, I do, I do think it's not his fault. I, I think there's, there's, there's lots of great elements to his game. I think he's I a really, really good player, Sterling. And I think when we can get more possession in and around the box, like how he's at City, I think you see the best of him. And I think that's what we saw the best of him at the beginning of the season with his runs, because we had much more effective possession in in the the opponent's last third. I think more recently the games have been a lot more uh, like basketball games and he's having to run back and forward and it just doesn't suit him. He's not got the vision to play that that deep and he's more of a dribbler and if he's got a dribble half the pitch, he's not that good at it. So, yeah, um, not not entirely his fault, but... Yeah, it's a difficult position for him to be in. I would have dropped him, obviously, but um, and some poor games. Booing him off for me, that's you shouldn't boo your own players at all for me. No, this is completely... We'll make an exception for Lukaku, but apart from that, yeah. No, I mean, people, the, let's be honest, like the, the British media's perception of Raheem Sterling and Chelsea fans, and that seems to rub off on him a little bit. Some of the treatment he gets is an absolute disgrace. So you almost feel bad criticising him because you know that people pile on. But... Um, I just disappointed. I thought after the the first batch of games, I thought he's gonna he's gonna go on a tear here. He's just gonna be like he's, he's, gonna, be he's gonna get twenty goals and assists in the season. I think Matt, this is the problem. What people you know, be like Jesus and these guys, like they're all. And we talked about this, you know, in the pod at the beginning of the season when I told you about all the was it um, the other guy? I can't remember his name now. Like they all look good in that Man City team, and I'm sure if Doku was playing in our team, he'd look terrible. Um, He's just not that good as an individual in terms of like carrying a team. He's not like if we had Jack Grealish, that would be massive for us. Like he is that good, but Sterling is just like a player who is a system player, like you said before. So we don't have the system for him, and he doesn't look good, fortunately. Mm. Freezer for Wolves. I'll just join him. Yeah, I don't really have anyone. Um, I mean, I could have put Pochettino in the freezer. I mean, you, could have put, you could have put the old team in, to be fair. I yeah, mean, yeah, I mean you, sorry, you don't, no one has anyone else apart from Sterling for the freezer. I'm putting the, the manager in the freezer because I think the, the game was mostly his fault that we played badly because he hadn't done his homework on the opposition. I thought he got outcoached badly, which was not a good sign at all. Can, can I put a couple of people in the freezer? I, yeah. I thought Gusto had an absolutely shocking game. Yeah, did, Abs- yeah. absolutely dreadful performance which so many miscontrols of the ball especially in the first half and then also um Thiago Silva need to t- need to talk about Thiago Silva in that game now again you can talk about that this is obviously structural issues in the in the in the setup we're pushing Chilwell up so high and him playing left center back up against uh, Neto but i think we're starting to see with Thiago Silva and sort of we can talk about this is more of a macro discussion about silver as well 39 years old it just when when you're talking about the fan base in general we don't like to speak for everyone but do you think there's anyone that, that wants tiago silver back next year i think if he was utilized um maybe a little bit like john terry was uh in the last conte season he's kind of playing uh you know five ten uh matches a year especially if you're playing sort of like you said, you play him in a final, you know, that sort of thing. We play him in big games, but we haven't. We're not really going to have that. And it depends if we'd have Europe, I suppose. I think. I mean, Liam Tooney's wrote about it in the in the Athletic. You know, I I, I think they've I think they've kind of backdoored their way into just playing Thiago Silva quite a lot because of Fafana's injury, 
because of the up and down form of um <laughs> Badia Shiele's injury as well, another injury yesterday. Yeah, well. Badia Shiele's injury, obviously Dizardi's you know had a bit of a turbulent time as I'm so Silver Colwell's also oh, been Colwell, of course as well. Obviously oh and obviously Colwell left back has meant a silver as you know and so I think they've kind of just played silver every game. A little bit like Sterling to be honest. I mean they're getting grouped together these two because you know they're they're the older ones and then it looks like they might be getting dropped for Padis or whatnot. But um I think it's just kind of like Poch is like, I mean, I'm not a manager and I never will be, but I guess you just might have your eye of Silvers in the team, Sterling's in the team, and then you work around it. Because he, he does he does usually drop really good performances. And obviously he's kind of like, although he's not the captain, he's got leadership skills. So to answer your question, I think I'd like him to stay if he utilised maybe a little bit less and things like that. But to play every game, though. Um, but I also want to say just about Silver. You know, a lot of a lot of people were next yesterday, and people jumping on. Oh, Silver's finished. He's washed. I mean, come on, man. I mean, Badia Shield and uh, Desire they had a pretty good game together. I mean, Silver's still dropped very good performances all the time. And they, yeah, and they, it's just about the the nature of our our tactical style when he plays, yeah. because obviously the the speed is is an issue, right? And, yeah. and it, it has been really for his career in general. He's never been the fastest, but especially now he is he is really slow, and and. That element, if you're going to play your, in inverted commas, your flying fullbacks, and you know Gusto and Chilwell are, are pushing up, and then you want to play high as a team anyway uh, and press, mm. you, you want to push up and, and close the spaces. That leaves so much space for, for Silva to defend, and that's not his strong suit. That yeah. amount of space is, is just not for him, and it's a tough role, you know. It's, it's not easy for anyone. You, you look at all the, that's why a lot of the, the top teams, you know, have. have Pacey, strong centre backs like Van Dijk and Diaz, and um, you know City have spent 100 million on Guardiola to try and do that same thing as well. You know, there's a reason these guys are going for huge, huge money, and they're so valuable to their teams is because they're hard to find players mm-hmm. that can that are incredible in the air and really pacey, and these days need to be good on the ball as well. So, um, yeah, I, I do really think that that unfortunately Silver is it's a natural end for me. I think for Silver at the end of the season. I think he was going. Um, I think he was going this year anyway because I think he was. I can't remember the name of the team, but he was linked, wasn't he? Going back to his old Brazilian club, and I think, I think probably it's you know time has come. I mean, nearly forty years old. He probably might. He might want to end his career somewhere else and um, do that. And maybe he's got some interest playing back in Brazil and helping his old team out. That's obviously something that a lot of older pros do and yeah it's a fantastic career but yeah I mean we do need to move on from Diago Silva and I guess the quicker you do it you rip the band-aid off the better I suppose yeah I think it's I would I would try and push the team forward without him um he's I think he's still really useful in this team I thought how he was used yesterday was perfect where the game's won you know we, we've done our bit 3-0 and then, you know, 20 minutes to go. I thought he was about 10 minutes too late, annoyingly, with the subs. But he goes, right, this is our defensive structure. We're going to play a three with Silver in the middle. And Silver's so good that he can he can help in a much tighter, you know, if we are going to play that deep, then he's he's much more suited to be involved in those sort of games. So, Did you, you know, think we looked good moments. last 10 minutes when he was in there? Well, I think we don't look good defensively. Have we ever? I don't think we've ever looked good defensively all season. So, um that well, no, I think there's just a massive issue with the midfield and the defense, and, and I think that's mostly Enzo and Caicedo. But I also think you know that's not 100% their fault because I think the true DMs are maybe Lavia and Ugachukwu, and, and, and they're not fit, so we don't, I don't think Caicedo is a DM. So, but yeah, I think that that's where we should be using Silver, and I hope, um, 
hope in the future, um, you know, obviously if he goes, that we, we start to put a lot more pressure on people like Fafana, who are earning a lot of money and barely played any football for us. And big decisions need to be made around the defence because Dizassi, Badiashile, uh, Fafana, who can't stay fit, Carwell's probably the only one you can hang your hat on. It's not looking too good. So that's yeah, a big area for I mean, me. I mean, but they can't say it's looking These are still young players. I mean, I know people just giving up on Badiashile. I mean, he played all right last night. I mean, he's like. I, I don't think you can go right, like put them on the scrap heap. I mean, these players need no, to be. You've got, you got to put pressure on them yeah. to perform every week. That's yeah, what we're doing in all the positions. Again, I'd say every week, right, the attackers give them time. Like, oh, we just need a whole no, new No, no, these guys aren't fit, Brady. Well, What's Brady the what? fit. Is he? You're, he's going to be starting on Monday, is he? He's, he's he's definitely going to be injured again. But it oh, really look like it. it looks like a groin injury to me. Okay, right. Yeah, I've actually I've the whole the whole defense. Dizassi is the only one who can stay fit, and I would argue he's probably the least the least good football player. You know, you try. I I like him, his energy and all that stuff. But you know, him being fit is probably the worst of all of the defenders. Maybe Badi Shiloh. Okay, he he is our worst centre back of the club. I mean, I don't think anyone denies that. Um, so but... we've we've got to put pressure on. You know, Colwell's injured again. You know, where where on earth is Fafana? He should be back on on Monday. Uh, so Fafana, Silver is thirty nine. Yeah, he's turning up every week. There there needs to be more pressure put on these guys to stay fit, or we need to go into the market. Well, we've got one of our own, Alfie Gilchrist. So it's fine. Don't... <laughs> I think uh, I do think they will sign a centre back this summer. I think that's yeah. already sort of been leaked. That have they, to. Uh, we have to. There's they're, even they're been talk actually that. a lot. I mean, I've actually been a lot of talk of Trevor Chalabin being put back into the fold in the second half. I'm not saying he'd be mm. long term, but I mean that's they're... ridiculous in itself, isn't it? He was supposed to be out the door, and he's now looking like a better player than the people who are available. Right, so, yeah, We've so got I'll... put, put pressure on the people issues. who were there. If you've put seventy million to Fana, he thinks, oh, it's fine because Silver's going to be gone next season. I'll come in. Guess what? Sign someone else and put pressure on him to stay fit because. We cannot rely on these guys, and it's ridiculous. Yeah, I just, I do agree that obviously they, we do need to sign a sense. But I don't agree with the. I don't think there's a, a putting pressure on the play. Like I don't think the players are making decisions about tearing their ACLs or, um, you know, uh, breaking their. I think Fafana had a broken leg before that. I don't think that's a personal decision. I think you need to put pressure on them to not break their leg. I mean, they're, they're, I think they're trying not to do that as it is. So I have a very last freezer. Um, this freezer isn't from the Wolves game, though. It's going to be from the Aston Villa game. And although everyone wow. thought ev- wow. everyone played really be well in that moment. Baddy Ashile. I thought he was terrible. Was I really right. did. And his passing is... Oh, I actually thought his passing was supposed to be one of his best attributes. I mean, there were moments where he was just... I don't know what he was doing in the box. There were, there was, it was chaos with him. But his passing is dreadful. Um, his yeah, long range I'm, passing I'm really in particular is appalling. Well. Yeah. Um, there were so many moments where I thought, you know, the, and we've seen it a couple of times actually uh, in a few games. He he doesn't want to make the easy pass. He wants to play some ridiculous long ball, and that is absolutely fine if you're not terrible at it. And there were too many times where it, he's his passes end up with Martinez or just to no one in particular, and. Um, two, out yeah, six, I, two out of six accurate long balls yesterday backs up your point. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't rate his performance that well. I thought he he caused quite a lot of the chaos in the box. It reminded me of when Kepa used to be in goal. Um, so <laughs> yeah, we. I can't be having that. He needs to sort that out big time because 
he hasn't improved from the last time I saw him. Um, it, it, that injury, you know, injuries affect players. We do forget that he had a long-term injury, and, and it, there is it's, it's both a gear before and after. And um, I just really hope he can get back to the player that he was last year because he showed consistently for 10, 15 games last year in a poor side that he was a very good player. So I feel think there's a player there, but his form at the moment, his confidence is absolutely atrocious. I agree. Terrible. I mean, good in the air, though. Really bad, good in the air. Bad, bad, bad as shield. Bad as yeah. Anyway, a um, little special mention. Yeah. Well, we've got to finally get onto the positive stuff. Right. The Chelsea good stuff, are, guys. Chelsea are back, apparently, so we better talk about it. <laughs> Craig, surely you've got someone warming up or boiling hot for Aston Villa. The easy one for, for me, I'm going to take the, uh, the low-hanging fruit. Enzo Fernandez is back. He, uh, he put in a performance yesterday that I think we, we were all sort of the, the sort of player that I think we were all excited about seeing when he first signed. I know we we're all, you know, when we saw the first few games, we were like, wow, this guy, you know, is passing especially. I think he's, he's sort of molded a bit since he's been here into, at times, carrying the ball a bit more than he should. But yesterday, he really focused on his one-touch passing. And it made such a massive difference to our team. It was so great to watch some of that situation. If you actually watch the, I think it's the second goal, the, the whole move is started from his first touch swing across um, from the left to the right side. Um, I think it goes to Gusto. Um, but, it, you know, that, that one touch pass makes the space, which makes the room for Gusto to cross, which makes the goal for Jackson. And yeah, I just, it's it's great to see him. Obviously, score the free kick as well and then also the celebration for the goal where he's saying you know I'm staying or my heart's in it or whatever he's trying to say um, I, I just thought fantastic and I'm so so happy for him to, to have a game like that and I loved uh, Ben Chilwell after the game as well went straight up to him and, and you know congratulated him as well and I just hope he can use that to really kick on now Yeah I liked Enzo yesterday I thought he was good I think he's a 60 minute player for me um, I thought he really looked terrible in the last sort of 20 minutes so um but i thought in the first 60 i thought he was exceptional first half especially uh, moving the ball quickly um i thought you know he sometimes can get caught in the ball like you say with too many touches which um we've seen but um yeah he moved the ball a lot quicker i think he was playing a little bit seemed like he was closer to Caicedo. i don't know it, it, it's very difficult to tell but um, yeah, I thought oh, he, he, was he, instrumental. He, he definitely was. He definitely was. That, that was yeah. that was that was the whole why, why the, the team functioned so well because they were closer together and Gallagher was. Yeah, they up. were. Yeah, a lot of passes. Look, I, for me, it's all about getting the ball into the the forward wide areas quickly, and I think he was instrumental in that. So um, he's very aware. I think he plays good good passes. Um, yeah. I think, I think- I think the very thing impressed with, with the goal as well. I, I genuinely didn't give him a. I, I gave him a zero percent chance <laughs> of getting it. Apparently, he's been really good with free kicks at Benfica. I mean, his, I heard his open play shooting is well, you know, no comment. But maybe um, that's what we need to do. Maybe when he I takes a shot open play, the, he I, needs to get a wall. I'll be honest. I was actually annoyed when he put it down. I went, Enzo, why are you bothering? It's just kind of like <laughs> the guy. Who he was just, so far out. Yeah, I was just but thinking. What... Potch was whinging about set piece takers like the other yeah, day, wasn't yeah. he? In his presser, oh, well, he's got. Now we've, now we've got put a ball in for a corner, and then Enzo the scored a free kick. Now we've got the Argentinian wall press, so that's quality. And I mean, it must have been quite a dynamic because obviously he's an Argentinian goalkeeper, and they've probably done drills before where he's taken free kicks versus him. So that was quite an interesting dynamic. Oh, yeah, I didn't even register that. Yeah, yeah, quite probably quite an interesting dynamic. But um, 
Yeah, I mean, the thing with Enzo is you just want him on the ball, not in front of it a lot. And Liam Tony said that on the Strata Com podcast, but I always think about that. It's like he wants to press forward a bit and be like, you know, not, not like Lampard, but like crashing into the box. Not good at that. Because he's not good at really shooting an anger or around uh, around the edge of the box. That's not that's not really where we want him. We want him sort of spreading the play, um, kind of like a bit of um, a Jorginho two point or a bit more than that. But just keep the key, t- keep the team ticking and um, ticking up. That's what he is, and you know he, he he's obviously got a fairly decent like dead ball in him and things like that. And he's got I'm sure he could cross quite quite well from wide areas, but. Yeah, we 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 don't need him like as an advanced eight or advanced ten. You can tell that's not working. We need him closer to Kaiseido. When he's closer to Kaiseido, he protects him more. Kaiseido, and then I mean, there was rumours after the Wolves game that Kaiseido was smashing the. I think he smashed up his seat or something. And it's probably because he's you know he's just been isolated too much and asked to do too much, and that's down to the manager. So I'm glad the Poch adjusted to it, and I hope he keeps doing that. You can't have Enzo as an advanced eight, advanced ten. It doesn't work, and it won't. It wastes the space in the team because you can have a much better player like a or Gallagher, Gallagher for his pressing attributes or you can have a Palmer in there or an Nkunku uh, uh, coming into it or a Carney. Just one, double six, just like a little bit like Kovacic and Jorginho, close to each other, ticking over as a unit and that's what, that's what he is and that's what he's going to have to adapt to, I think, if he wants to be a functional player in our team, I think. That's, that's my thoughts on Enzo. Who have you got, Brady? Well, I've got... Have you? Have you just done? I've got a woman up and a and a boy in the hot out loud. You, oh, I don't oh, think so. I don't oh, think we've got oh, time. Check the VAR, mate. <laughs> oh, the one got right. Very special mention for woman up. Noni Madaweke. Just uh, and then I'll do a boy in hot very very quickly. You know, I thought he was he came, brilliant. He I came into the team. Take notes, Madrid. He, he wasn't included at all. He didn't play a minute versus Wolves, by the way. Not a minute. And he comes in probably you know thinking oh, I've been dropped, whatever. Comes in, massive game, drops a brilliant performance. Um, he reminds me a little bit of, he's got a little bit of a lot of players. Obviously, he's got a little bit of Saka, he's got a little bit of Hudson Adoy. But unlike Hudson Adoy, he's got a really good shot on him. He's got way more power, and he's just got fear factor. Defenders are scared of him. And if he can just, you know, uh, what was really good for the Gallagher goal was he released it early. The thing with Lonnie is sometimes he takes too many touches, he overthinks things. He just he hangs onto the ball a little bit too long. Take a bit more quick and incisive in your decision making. That opportunity X, X opportunity that I talk about a lot. He could be a real danger for us. And to come into that game, a pivotal game, and drop that performance with so much confidence, just like you know, he ran down the whole touchline like he's playing in the NFL. I mean, it's brilliant. And um, yeah, anyway, but anyway, going on to my uh, boiling hot, really quick. Can I, can I just say sorry about Madueke? I thought his uh, work rate was really good yesterday as well. I thought he tracked yeah, back he really has, well. And he, he, he's got a really good personality. I mean, the Gallagher goal, that, yeah. he's so happy for him. You know, he just, yeah. he very, very, he's like, he's got a lot of emotional intelligence. You know, he's very, mm-hmm. you know, he talks about the badge and he talks about, he's got a very smart head on his shoulders. And I just think, I think he's a really good player. And I would thought at the time he was a fantastic pickup. And yeah, he was value for money. He was thirty million, and other wingers were more expensive. And I think he's value for money. And I think I'm not saying going to prioritise him, but I was very impressed that he's been brought in from zero minutes to hit the ground running. And I thought it was a fantastic performance from him. Um, but going on to my actual boiling hot, if that's all right, um, it's Malagusto. I mean, what a performance! I mean, he's. I've watched a few clips on X recently and uh, today after the game. And watch some highlights. I mean, 
He's got it all in the locker, really, for, for right back. Fantastic cross for the goal. I mean, Jackson literally didn't have to move his head, which is probably a good thing when Jackson said it, to be honest. But um, he can battle for the ball. He's good one-on-one. He's got, he can beat a player. He can t- pass in tight spaces. That's what he's really good at. Very good at playing under the press. Very confident. Doesn't get phased. Even when he came on against Liverpool, he actually he helped us kind of get back in the game a little bit in the second half. Massive. I mean, it was awful. And again, mentality. A little bit like Madueke. Drops an absolute stinker against Wolves. And then just drops that performance as well. Fantastic. And I know tactically it would have helped in the way Potts adjusted things. But I thought Malaguste was fantastic. And you know, we, we, we don't know when Reece James is back. And we don't know if Reece James is going to get re-injured. But we might want to think maybe prioritising Gustav right back and using James elsewhere to help Reece James' body. Because this player is a proper right back. And I think he's a fantastic player. Yeah, you forget his age, Gustav, as well. Yeah, he's and I think 20, he... man. He, he he's so good in build up um as well under pressure in those wing positions mm. like the defensive level wide positions defensively he uh he really has a good idea of of how to use the ball he doesn't panic he uses a lot he uses lots of feints on the ball as well yeah. you know pretending to kick it pretending to pass it in a different directions to sort of manipulate the the press i think for his age he yeah like you say he's a very intelligent player he, he looks well coached Play, yeah. you know, as well, and uh, yeah, very, very excited about Malagusta. Unfortunately, he's been injured a lot this season as well because uh, he, with with James's injuries, he could have, you know, if he'd have been fit the whole season, he could have played a lot and been, uh, you know, had a really good season of development. Unfortunately, he has had a lot of injuries, but um, yeah, if he can stay fit, I, I think he can be a really, really key player for us for the rest of the season. Yeah, I like Gusto. I mean, he's had a thousand minutes. He's he's. Someone who's benefiting from the injury because he's, you know, when he drops a bad game, he's not, he's not dropped. You know, there's no one else to come in, so he gets to play through the pain, and that's the benefit you get. He, he plays really poorly against Wolves, and you put him on again, he has a good game again, and you know that's that's what happens with young players. So important that 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 continues. Um, he's getting his development cycle, which we need for people his age, uh, which he definitely wouldn't have got if Reese James was there. So. Yeah, it's nice to see, and I like Gustav. I've liked him all season. Very skillful, very handy. Not a huge fan of the penalty he gave away, if I'm honest. I didn't like that at all. That was a bit of a weird he, he one is a bit, He has got that in his locker. He's, he's, he's a bit, a bit rash. rash. He's a bit rash, yeah. Yeah, yeah. but I and think... That's obviously, it's the, the red card against Villa that probably cost us at least a point in that game as well. Um, that, that is sort of leaned towards that as well, the slide tackle. I know that, that was sort of a borderline red card, but the, the you know... They're trying to get rid of the slide tackles, basically, from the game. And both those incidents, the penalty that he gave away and, and the red card, is, is slide tackles. And I just think, you know, you can just get rid of that. You don't need to be slide tackling, basically, in today's game. So, I think, uh, yeah, I do I do worry about his pace. Um, I wouldn't say he was slow. You think he's slow. No, 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 he's not slow. But he's up against, you know, that, that position left wing is probably coveted by some of the quickest players in the whole league. So... It's it's very difficult if you're not either really really strong like James is. I mean James is quick. He's probably as quick as Gusto, maybe quicker. But he's strong as well, so you can get his body across. Whereas Gusto, I worry about his pace. Just generally I, I is think, an attribute that he can't improve. Thing I'm with Gusto is he knows how to hustle as well. He kind of he can do. Yeah, he can get around it for sure. But I'm just saying, I I I'd be as much as an issue going forward as it is going back. I would say. 
I mean, it's just it's just an unbelievable upgrade from what we've had before with like RLC, RWB, Aspie. Well, it was Aspie Laquita, wasn't it? I mean, Aspie yeah. on the tail end of his career and disaster, right? I mean, it's just unbelievable. I mean, that cross for the goal, it's just you know, we put it on. He put it on the plate for the worst header in the t- in the squad by a mile, and he just he buried it. <laughs> <laughs> Jackson catching some strays here. The worst. Oh, I'm sorry. Don't get me wrong, Jackson. Raheem Sterling was, might have something to say about that. Oh, I, I don't know about that. Jackson, oh, I don't think he's even been coached ahead, to, um, to be completely honest. But I don't think I've ever seen Raheem Sterling head the ball. Well, okay, fine. But one of the worst. But I mean it was a I mean that 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 goal was all about the cross. I mean it, you literally couldn't have it's done it. It's all about the movement as well, the the team. Yes. Chillwell yeah. pulling um, Yeah, and you know, right Jackson, Jackson I mean I wanna give well Jackson I guess some props, but he Jackson, I, I mean, I called it to give myself a little uh, boiling knot. I've called Jackson left wing for months, and now yeah, everyone's going to give you some credit for that for sure. Yeah, do I get any credit for saying he's like Isaac and should play on the left wing or or not? Well, didn't hear that. I don't know. I've been. I, 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 I'll, I'll have to go through the tapes to get that one. I was referencing Villarreal, and now everyone else on the podcast, and they're all referencing it. He's, he's a left winger, so. Left well, forward. He's not a nine, that's for sure. And I was he's definitely not a left winger either. I was, I playing, say I was like saying he's a bit, a bit like Mane on left wing. He's not massively. Oh my goodness. That. He's nothing like Mane. That is horrible disrespect to Mane. Well, I'm just talking. No, position, not mate. as the player. I think I'm Brady's more talking position, about the style. Yeah. Left, left, left forward, not a left winger, but like a left 10 kind of. Um, oh, yeah. I see. I'm not saying that he's as good as Sonny Mane. I'm saying he takes up similar position to Chris. That's what I'm saying. Fine. Um, just clear that up before we. Yeah, I've said that before on the pod. <laughs> I don't think we need to. I think we need to say that he's not as good as Sadio Mane. I yeah, I've, yeah I've said that before on the pod, and you guys lost your head. Then I didn't mean that he's as good as Sadio Mane. No, um, <laughs> but he does take up similar positions, and I think he's. I think he struggles being the main man, doesn't he? I mean, because you would do in your first season. I don't think he's. It's a little bit like Havertz was, where you play. You play, better playing off the main striker when we eventually get one. So. Um, and it, he fed, you know, that was showed in pre-season when Nkunku was used as a nine of kind of the main person before he got injured. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, my warming up um, is Ben Chilwell. Um, probably not the one that most people would pick, um, but some of his, uh, I think he was getting a lot of abuse um, for some of his play. And rightly so, for the last sort of three or four games, it was bad. But he's just come back from a seriously long injury. Um, and I thought, for the first time we saw the right Ben Chilwell in that game, first touch, finally, was absolutely perfect, um, which is exactly what I expect from him. Um, and his his ability to get up and down the pitch is unbelievable. You know, the guy, I, talk, I spoke about, earlier about the goal with um with Jackson with the header and you know if you look at the if you pause on the goal for Jackson you'll see four players along the line and four Villa defenders and you know you can't get that when you're playing Levi Colwell left back and that stops you because the right back then moves in with the centre back and stops Jackson um heading the ball and he had to mark Chilwell for that goal and Chilwell was able to get forward, get back and yeah I thought he was exceptional. Um and if he plays like that that's like Champions League final chill. Well, it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't quite as excited as that about Chilwell yesterday. I thought he had a, a decent game. I, I more value his sort of leadership in this squad right now. Uh, you know, I think he's at 27. He's one of the older heads. Um, him, Silver and, and Sterling really are the, the older guys that are really the only older guys that are in the squad. And um 
I, I just think that he he gives us something. Uh, I, I, if I had to bet, and obviously we don't know the answer to this, I, I, I would imagine that it was him doing the pre-game huddle and the pre-game team talk. And, and you know, he, he, I think he does embrace that role of captain. Um, mm. And, uh, yeah, I think that is important to the squad. Um, you know, in terms of his performance on the pitch yesterday, I thought, I thought he, was, he was decent, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I think he, he, he gave a good captain's performance as well. The mature world is he does a lot of his best work in like the other team's half, and we needed to get him up. We need to Poch needs to get Ben Chilwell up the pitch because he can be at a goal and assist machine. Um, there's been a lot of games on the two chill, and um, I remember I think it was um, was it Sevilla away when in the quarterfinal we basically run the ball in. Um, he's just very good at like assists and goals and that sort of thing and being around the box. That's why that's why Poch utilised him as kind of like a almost like a left winger because he is so good up the pitch. So. Can be a little bit shaky going the other way. But he's got a lot of pace and he can get up and down. So I would just give him free reign to do that and just protect him a little bit, maybe cover him a little bit, get Caicedo to drop in or something like that. Or obviously a defender, the centre-back, to come across because Ben Chilwell, when he's whipping crosses in and shooting and, you know, very good shot on him, I think that's what we need. So um, a little bit like Pedro Porro a little bit for Spurs. Just want him in attacking areas. Maybe the other way, he's not as good, but... Definitely need him in there, like you know, the final thirty meters of their, their, their opponent's box. We haven't seen that enough in the games that he's come back for me. But yeah, in terms of leadership, for sure, saw a real change in him last year, even under Potter. So I think he's moulded into the first captain role really well, and has to stay fit so he can utilise that. Any other special mentions? Well, I I guess uh, we should probably talk about Big Nick. A little bit. <laughs> I thought that you know, obviously we haven't really seen him in this role so much. I know we we have talked about it a little bit, but uh, yeah, his scuff, his scuff cross and terrible header were fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, a little special mention for me. It's got to be Conor Gallagher. I mean, it was a wonderful moment for him to score. I think he was first goal in thirty four games. And that's like, <laughs> and that's hope it's like London buses, man. His player, first goal in player, what? Player of the season. His yeah, first goal in what? 34 games has been. 34 games? That can't be true. He's playing 10 for us, isn't he? He's got the. Do you know what? He's got 1,000. What's his minutes in, for Chelsea now? He hasn't scored since May. Dear, oh dear. Christ. I didn't realise it was that bad. Right, but anyway, quite a guy ago. Got a brutal reaction there. Let's just hope it's like London buses, like I said. And uh, he's got Palace next. You know, he scored against Palace last season. Hopefully he can. He'll do maybe this time he'll celebrate, you know. He's got you know, he's done the respectful celebration uh, once, man. Like, this time he'll go mad. But um <laughs> if we get the uh, if we get the uh, Palace Gallagher where he's got a little bit more presence about his performance, a little bit more confidence, it's a good goal. Maybe now, you know, he can get some confidence and get some goals because he obviously played a lot of advanced areas because again last night the pressing was unbelievable. Then now I mean it, it must be I don't know <laughs> it must be pretty like terror like pretty scary when you've got Palmer and Gallagher pressing you because they're so intelligent at it and, um, and and ferocious at it so there are some really good parts of his game and if he can add goals this season obviously last night a big thing last night was that you know the midfielder scored you know in Enzo and Gallagher if they can start to get goals that would really help the team a lot obviously so hopefully you can get you know five six goals for the end of the season or something like that I mean, yeah, he needs to score goals. It's, it's absolutely shocking that he's only scored one. He's had plenty of shots, 
Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I think... The thing with Gallagher, though, I will say, if we've got a lot of assists, and we've got six, seven or eight open player assists this year. So, that's been chipping in there. Um, it's not like he doesn't get any, doesn't get any GA, but yeah, the goals have been shocking. And if he's going to play in the position that he's playing in, in the team, that I mean, he looked embarrassed. I mean, when they were asking about him, he looked embarrassed. He was like, "Yeah, his first goal," and I don't, I don't. He wasn't like, "Oh yeah, I'm, you know, I'm so proud." He was like, he was very sheepish about it. He was like, "Yeah, I need to get a lot more. I need to improve that a lot." He's very aware. So obviously, yeah, yeah, and like so, you know, I can't, yeah, he has got a good shot on him. I mean, but like so. Yeah, just need to utilize it more. We just need to we need to get these players to utilize their tools better, like Enzo to do what Enzo's good at, Gallego to do what he's good at, and things like that. And that would really help the team out rather than playing within themselves or being told to do something that they're unnaturally they're not good at. So that'd be helpful. All right. Any other points? Yeah, yeah. Nick Jackson's a new Mane. Anyway, end the pod. <laughs> Has anyone been see Argyle? Uh no, <laughs> I I haven't I I I heard it got forty three percent of rotten tomatoes and I I have a rule of if it's got fifty like below fifty percent rotten tomatoes I don't go and see it. So Chris will go see it. He loves a rubbish film. Yeah, I, I've seen it on the London buses going past my house, but not actually in the cinemas now. I do have a I do have a pass to the cinema, but um, are it's, we not, on my, it's on, not on my rotation. Are we on no the clear way? Line? You're gonna go see it, hundred percent, Chris. You got to do it for uh, the pod, actually. You have to. <laughs> yeah, maybe we should. Because neither of us are going to go see it. We're going to do. We do. We do temperatures for the film. Got, Think I've, about I've, as well. We should, we should do a film. We should do a review for the film. Yeah, we'll do a re- review. Of, but also think about it in the sense that you're paying for Victor Osserman. Going to see it. That's it. You're shelling out for Osserman. Well, I've you're already paid for the club. I've already paid per month. So if, if anything, you should go see it. Uh, they need the cash. Well, I don't mind. I don't mind going watching Dua Lipa for two hours. To be fair, if you give me, if you guarantee me we get Osman, I'll go. Ah. Can oh, anyone guarantee it? Uh, Romano is talking about uh, there's going to be some movement. For obviously, Osman and Tony and the domino effect of who goes where. So, it should be interesting this summer. Assume, I think we, assume someone's coming to Chelsea because they could easily just go somewhere else. I think Tony's going to go to United, and I think we're going to get Osman. That's my prediction. Oh, there you go. An ESCR exclusive. We've had two in an episode, I mean, two in one episode. Amount, amazing. The amount of uh, behind the scenes work that we're putting in with Osterman, you know, AFCON and, you know, the, you know, OB. Agent Didier. Yeah. I, and, you know, John OB Mikel on his podcast, you know, saying, come on, mate. And I, I think we'll be all right. If we, if we stump up the money, I think we'll be all right. But whether we can afford the wages is another matter. But we'll have to wait and see. Might have to give up Gallagher's one goal a season. <laughs> No comment. <laughs> right, that's all we've got time for today. Um, it's a shame because we could have talked about how Brady's been knocked off the uh, FPL, uh, top of the FPL league, but I'll save that for another day. Have <laughs> I? Yeah, I'm the still fat pigs of it. I'm still getting neck looking down. At, hang on, hang on, hang on. Still getting neck out looking down the table, aren't I? But then what? Fat pigs have knocked you off the top. Oh, it's Jamie Elwood. They've, they've eaten friend, you for breakfast. Friend of the podcast. Well, that's... That, Let's hope that's not a sign because Jamie's a Liverpool fan and, uh, well, Chelsea, Chelsea, Liverpool battered Chelsea and I've been knocked off the top bad times. So the Craig's I'll, just, team, I'll, I'll be curious to see down. what he spends his £50 Chelsea Megastore voucher on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I'd say. Dear, oh dear. He can get that Luis Garcia phantom goal printed on this. Well, he can buy us, he can buy us a shirt, can't he? he can buy, you know, we can give him new size and we can give us a new shirt. So either way, we're winning. So, yeah. Thanks. 
Cool. Right. Well, that is all we've got time for today. Uh, thanks very much, guys, as always. No worries. No problem. Well, regardless of the result, we'll be back. Um, we'll be back with a preview pod for Crystal Palace. Um, for more updates on all things ESCR, you can follow us on X at Eat Sleep Chelsea and Instagram at Eat Sleep Chelsea Repeat. And as always, we hope you're carefree wherever you may be. And thanks for listening.